Hanging, baby. Well, hello there, FC Dallas curious fans, and welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Once again, I'm not Peter Welpton. He is currently having some technical issues and may be joining us a little later on, but I am your resident Englishman, Dan Crook, instead. And, uh, of course, with us always is the wonderful founder and editor of Third Degree, Buzz Carrick. Hello, Dan. Today I'm not calling in from San Diego, California with the rest of the FC Dallas team where they're preparing to play a couple of scrimmages, unfortunately. How dare you? Well, where are you calling in from? <laughs> I'm actually, of all times, I'm actually calling in from my house as much as I'm not happy about that, but... Uh... This year, it just didn't work out with um, schedule uh, between the amount of work I have uh, and how it lined up with when SC Dallas was going to be places for long enough times to make it worthwhile. There's not any alignment where I could get somewhere for a good stint. Just going like paying for a trip to Cali for like two days just doesn't make sense. So, um, you know, maybe next year it'll line up better and, and maybe there'll be a day. Uh, where um, through enough support or enough advertising or whatever we can, I can actually do this for full time living, and and uh, then I'd be able to do all the trips. But right now, not the case. So here we are. Anyway, we'll watch it remotely, and we'll read all about it, and we'll move on. Well, you were still a roving reporter, having uh, flown back into town today, at least. Yeah, I flew in from Kansas City. I was up in Kansas doing some college basketball. Where uh, you mentioned that you saw the novel idea of team advertising. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, I, at the kiosk at the, um, the the flight kiosk at the Kansas City Airport MCI, uh, Sporting Kansas City had it was one of the rotating three billboards um, next to the flights with the, an ad for their season. Them and the Chiefs, and I can't remember what the third one was. It wasn't a sporting team. So it's just nice to see a team uh, doing some marketing, doing some outreach, doing some ad verts in their market you know particularly people coming in and out might see it so it's a you know some people do things to get their team's name and word out in a, in a probably a affordable but yet reach far-reaching fashion definitely it's always uh always good to see that and uh you know hopefully uh we'll see a lot more of that around dfw at some point and uh some bigger crowds someday but yeah moving on to to, to the here and now uh we've had a pretty busy week between us heading out to frisco i know uh Lucci made a joke about seeing me quite a lot lately um and you know you're his lunch buddy so uh yeah he sees you a lot i saw him on monday uh you know and there's been a couple of casualties in the media market so uh he may be seeing a lot of you and i as the as the season goes on he may get tired of us but um, in the meantime, you know, we, we can report on the team and, and help out and hopefully people will uh, enjoy what the coverage we bring them. There was a bunch of news today, for, for sure, that we can talk about and we will talk about. Absolutely. But uh, I guess let's start with, uh, you know, chronologically. And, um, you know, I was able to go out to uh, the intra-squad scrimmage on, on Saturday. You, you made uh, practice on Monday. Um, you know, we both got a pretty good look at at the draft picks and, and who's coming along, you know, both also got to see, you know, a little bit different, uh, a few guys out with injuries, uh, a few precautions, a few walking wounded. Um, 
So I guess what what did uh, you know what, what kind of stuck out um, on Monday from uh, from what you happened to see at practice? Well, um, Monday the big questions were Fafa Pico and Michael Barrios, who both were held out um, with some uh, you know a little soreness in the knee area, um, you know lower lo- lower thigh, upper calf, knee ish area. Um, Lucci assured me at the time there wasn't any concerns that it was just you know high work at the beginning of the season they were going to have scans, and I know both those guys played on Wednesday, so I'm sure they're fine. Um, one interesting thing I, I saw on Monday was the usage of some three-five-two in training, uh, and I know that was replicated again on Wednesday. Um, I do know that Lucci is not planning on having that be their core formation, but they do want to work on it a little bit here and there because they want to be able to go to it on the fly or go to it in certain games if they feel it's the right matchup. They're just trying to add arrows into the quiver, add tactical stuff. So that's why you're seeing a little three-five-two because it's a little bit raw for them. They haven't done it a lot. So I'm sure that carried over Wednesday. Uh, it definitely, in terms of the build, there are definitely some guys who don't know what they're doing yet in that formation. But, uh, um, you know, when they have all their healthy pieces, I'm sure they'd be able to play out of it perfectly adequately. Definitely. Um, you know, they, they did use the the three-five-two. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, yeah, it it was kind of a, a bit of a mess. Um, you know, we got that. E- well, actually, I didn't even get the email. You told me um, on Tuesday that the the scrimmage was going to be closed. Um, you know, so I asked, I asked FC, yeah, the PR team, and they were like, yeah, the technical staff uh, wanted to close it. Um, I I asked Lucci. I was like, you know, obviously one of the biggest things, whether we report on it or not, is is having the insight of you know being around the team and around the coach and stuff building those relationships so you know I, I i happened to be off work that morning so i went up to the stadium caught the end of uh, practice after i got done with something um and, and i said to Alicia, like hey um you know i just want to i know like you've closed the train and at the, the scrimmage later on and he stopped me and goes what have we <laughs> um so it turned out there was there was a mix up. Um, he was asked if he wanted to have a stream for Wednesday for for yesterday, and he he declined it. And you know I, I totally support the reason. Um, you know both as a as a fan and a member of the media, in that they wanted to try this three five two. And you know there's so much that goes into three five two. You can just say the formation; it doesn't really mean anything. The build up play, how the midfield three, the the middle three line up in the midfield, what the second striker does, how far the wing backs go go up ahead, and simply he didn't want that on video for other teams to to scout out. He wanted to have the option of if he uses it in the season, it's a surprise, um, which you know totally understandable. But they yeah. kind of you know mistook that as let's close it off from everyone. Um. That is perfectly understandable because there is some fluidity to the way FC Dallas plays a 3-5-2. You know, you've, you've seen how in their 4-3-3, the way they build, mm. uh, those outside backs come up and, and the defense spreads and those six drops in. You know, those those variations, those fluid movements, they happen in the 3-5-2. So there's a lot of fluidity between as they build where it's like for one second it's a 3-5-2, the next second it's a 3-4-3, the next second it's like the center back stepping into the middle, and now it's a 2 three five you know it's like there's the way lucci plays and the way his teams are structured they're constantly in flux and they're constantly in dynamic particularly as they go forward and go back that 
that transition is a key hallmark of Major League Soccer. And as a matter of fact, one of the reasons why athleticism is so important in this league is because you have to be able to respond quickly and transition from offense to defense, you know, on the drop of a dime. And that's a component of Lucci ball. And that's true in both a 3-5-2 and a 4-4-2. Sorry, 4-3-3. So um, it's not surprising Lucci didn't want that on tape. But it was nice that in the end you were able to watch and get some notes and actually write something about it today uh, and get some good stuff up on site. Did you have any insight from uh, some of the players you watched that might be obscure? One thing I will throw in energy-wise is Brian Reynolds was held out with some tightness in his quad, so Mm -hmm. that's one reason why he didn't play. Okay, yeah, because I I sort of asked about a couple of players that I didn't think to ask about um, Reynolds at the time. Um, uh, You know, there there were definitely a few things, and and writing about it earlier was kind of difficult because there was... um, it was it was trying to describe how someone performs but leaving out the tactical shifts and how they responded to it right kind of a bit difficult when you've got you know collapsing from one formation to another and, and breaking out and building out um directional play and everything else but um you know that i i was really impressed with uh with uh actually nikosi burgess um he looked a bit rough um, in his first week. Um, not the not the greatest passer. Um, definitely more of a, a physical than a mental aspect to him. Uh, case in point being, um, uh, in the intra squad scrimmage, he comes way out of position from centre back. He's hugging the touchline up at the halfway line to take on Santi Mascara. Uh, Mascara sees him kind of shaping up. He doesn't, you know, kind of like when you when you're uh, when you're defending. If you've got a player running at you, you kind of want to be shoulder on to them, uh, so that you can do the quick turn and, and chase if they knock it past you. But at the same time, you can flick a foot out, steal the ball away. Uh, Burgess goes completely square to him, um, flat footed. Mascara just knocks it knocks it around him and runs through. Burgess is apparently quicker than Mascara, catches <laughs> up to him. Crazy. Um, yeah. and well, Mas- I mean, Mascara's not slow. <laughs> you know, he 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 outpaced him. Uh, Mascara just about knocked the ball in, but under such pressure that it was kind of a useless cross. And I think I'd I'd highlighted in the in the write up that that kind of typified what I'd seen from him. That he's not so much the technique as he is the athleticism. Um, and I sent you some audio actually, where I kind of asked Lucci about it for the uh patreon i don't know if you if you used it or not talking about uh you know the differences between coaching a an athletic player versus a more a more methodical player who's whose feet haven't quite caught up with the brain um bit of an you know it was an interesting discussion probably something that's not worth getting too deep into but i definitely saw a different side of him i saw a player whose passing was was better. He was picking out easier logical passes, and that maybe because in a three-five-two you suddenly have a couple of extra outlets with an extra centre back, and not having like a true ten, having more of like a midfield core. Um, going into his tackles, he was picking his moments better again. Maybe that's the luxury of having extra cover. 
but um, definitely uh, night and day from what I've seen from him so far. Um, Callum Montgomery as well, his passing was uh, fantastic. Yeah, Callum's been working on his passing in training, doing extra work at the end of it, particularly yeah. long passing or long outlet passing. Definitely. Um, and that definitely showed. Um, I mean, that was kind of what, what stuck out to me most of all from the first game. Um, you know, uh, Mascara uh, grabbed a quick goal. I actually didn't get to see that because they started the scrimmage 15 minutes early. Uh, I got there just before. Yeah. <laughs> I got there just before uh, Cobra bundled in a goal. Um, you know, typical Cobra crashes, crashes in runs through 10 people and uh, toe pokes over the line um montgomery forced uh in this in the second half of the game montgomery forced uh, an own goal for just from him attacking a corner um kind of what you used to see from walker zimmerman in the first team how he'd go after the ball um a lot you know there were a lot of encouraging signs didn't really like the formation too much um there were a few defensive frailties there. Maybe not enough attacking benefit for it. Um, you know, without trying to go too deep. How did uh, how did you kind of get a feel from it in the practice? Well, in practice, um, when I saw it, it, they were only working on the build-out phase of it, which is exactly like the start of the season last year, where they started with the basics, which is. Here's the basic formational build-out stuff. So, you know, it, it their use of the 3-5-2 right now is basically where they were day one a year ago with the 4-3-3. So it's, you know, it was only about 70% speed when I was watching. It wasn't real play. It was just like, here's the mechanics of the rotation. So, you know, I, I, there was nothing to judge from it other than, like, the fluidity of it and, like, how it shifts as it goes forward. Those were interesting to watch. Um you know, I, when I was watching it, they even was, were, were doing it where they had more men than the opposition did in order to make it, you know, positive and and building and, and going forward. And because the, the exercise wasn't about breaking anyone down, the exercise is about the mechanics of the of, of the practice of re- repetitive. This is how the build works. You know, it's the early, early, um, you know, riding the bike stages of using that formation. So I, I would not read anything into the use of it at this stage it's way too early to really say so we'll need to see them use it in a whole game against with their full team against another really good team really decide if it's any good or not definitely and that that was kind of it like uh you know talking about the the build out from a defense uh, a back three of hedges burgess and Callum montgomery is is not going to relate to what you'd see in mls you'd see ziegler yeah. you'd probably see you know, you'd probably see a fullback drop in, you know, rather than make a sub on the spot. But, you know, you'd always have the likelihood of, of Bresson to... Uh, yeah, I mean, Bres- you're talking about Montgomery, who's yet to make his MLS debut, and Burgess, who probably will not make an MLS debut until deep into this season, if at all. So oh, he's, like, that's not... he's got to get a contract first. Yeah, um, right, that too. Well, I'm fully confident Burgess will get a contract with us. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I definitely join you in that. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, Ziegler and um, Brasson both had a little sore hip flexor, nothing major. Um, they were just held out as a precaution. Uh, you mentioned Barrios in the um, in the practice in this Saturday scrimmage. The intra squad, uh, he 
he kind of tweaked his knee funny. Um, he had a little, mm. he had a little soreness in his MCL, and um, he he was just feeling it a little bit. So he he walked out of the game. So I think you know that would have been two days later. He's probably still a little sore. They're probably still just yeah, you know, checking it out. But he played um, the first half yesterday. Looked looked like Michael Barrios, <laughs> uh, you know, attacking players. He was actually he had uh, a Tiba Harris mark in him, so they were hugging it out quite a bit and talking. <laughs> I bet they were. Uh, but yeah, he he you know he looked like he always does. No real effects from that. I know uh, when Lucci said MCL, I was like, oh god. But uh, yeah, nothing nothing major there. So sometimes you get a little tightness in that area uh, at the start of spring training, just because you don't kick a ball a lot over the winter, and all of a sudden you come in and you kick. And the first week you kick a thousand balls, and all of a sudden your MCL on the inside's a little sore. It's not. It's not. It's only if you come back with a scan that says there's some kind of degeneration there that you worry. It's like it's just a little. It's also yeah. bloody freezing in Fresco. I mean, yeah. last night the wind chill was like 34. Um, Fafa Pico played, and his knee was taped up with an insane amount of KT tape. I would absolutely buy shares in that if. Uh, on the basis of how much was used on his leg. But, you know, again, it was cold. You've got to account for, can his knee stay loose? Do you need to give it some extra support? Um, yeah, and if they were at all worried about it, they would not have let those guys run out on a Wednesday night against Oklahoma City. Oh, exactly. Can you do it in a cold night, in a cold week night again in the Frisco? <laughs> yeah, which is it's, why, you know, Brisson and, <laughs> and uh, Retta yeah. Ziegler sat out because, and, and Brian Reynolds because it's... Yeah. You know why make it worse? Why second week why of spring? You know it's playing against the USLC team that's just starting. It's like it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know we we saw we saw a little bit more uh, later on in the in the scrimmage. We had the North Texas SC scrimmage. Uh, sorry, not North Texas SC. North Texas Rayados. Right. Um, playing against a lot of youth players um, and some of the draft picks. Uh, Derek Wardak. He he was uh, actually the third centre back in the first game, which was kind of interesting because he's a left footer. He played on the left the left side of that, but he's more he's a defensive midfielder who can also play fullback. So it was kind of interesting to see try, him trying to sort of work components of both positions there. Yeah. Um, then he went back to midfield and and he looked just just fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's a as we as we mentioned last week, as we both said everywhere, very intelligent player. Um, the physical side probably has to catch up with the mental side. Would be a great project, but the guy's uh, pretty close to a biology degree from Stanford, so right, yeah, you know, can North Texas SC pay as much as as an employer for that? I mean, that'll be the question with him is like because he's not an MLS level player at this point in time. You know, if you can get him into North Texas SC and you can progress his technical skills and you can uh, rein in his instincts because he's very aggressive and he tends to go forward when you might not want him to as a six. You want that six to stay in the right position. Mm -hmm. You don't want all that accostiness coming out when you're talking about you know a late round draft pick, uh, not a guy that's played in the World Cup. So. Um, you know, there's some stuff that you could build on there. There's stuff that would be serviceable for USL. Um, is you know, a is a costiness just blowing a shot over the Hall of Fame <laughs> from 30 yards? 
I meant more of his uh, his want to like float forward on these runs underneath the strikers more than I did the actual shots. I, you know, in training, Lucci's always like, well, I'll do that. Derek, he calls him Derek. Derek, back here. Six. You're a six. <laughs> you know? uh, but uh, I mean, there's something there, you know, but as like we've, we've all, we've both talked about, you know, it's that Stanford finished that education. He should have one semester left unless he's been planning around. Um, you know, I, that's going to be a tough ask. I, I think there's a chance maybe he'll show up in the summer. You know, why not give it yeah. a go for a season or something and see how it goes. But um, if he thinks he's med school bound, then, you know, he might pull a Jon Snow and just take off. Trying to get the reference there, but, you know. Oh, that, that's a guy um, who, it's a it's a former U.S. soccer player. There's actually some articles around floating around. Oh, I thought you well, meant Jon Snow from Game of no, Thrones. No, no, no. Uh, I believe I have the right name. Maybe I'm Game of Thrones is his name. I think it's Jon Snow, and he was... Um, he was just about the, the best striker in U.S. history um, at that time, not U.S. history, in the U.S. at that time. He was a college player. He was of the era of Winalda uh, and those guys, maybe a touch before that, before there was a pro league. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't really anywhere for him to play, and he was a bit of a head case. And instead of playing with the national team, he kind of just went off and did his own way and did his own thing. And so it's just... That made me think of it, the guy that just turned down the pro game and went to school or whatever he was doing. That's It just popped into my head. It's probably a really old, old soccer reference that most people are not going to know. Interesting. It might be Ken Snow. Maybe that's his name. You know, we'll, we'll look it up. Go ahead. Keep going, Dan. Yeah, so um, what was I actually going to say? Um, you know, he's obviously a project. Um, and I sort of asked Lucci yesterday... Um, you know, those decisions are looming, right? Because we kind of expected to see a couple of guys cut at this point. Uh, obviously, some injuries, some, some tightness, whatever you want to call it, has uh, left FC Dallas with some a smaller number than they wanted. Um, you know, not necessarily allowing them to. Um, so I so asked, you know, are those decisions looming? Who goes with uh, the first team? Who goes with the development side? And who just goes? And, uh, you know, he's pretty pretty blunt about it and saying, you know, a project's one thing, but they need to see a project that has a development plan to impact the first team sooner rather than later. Right. Um, which means, you know, kind of what we've, what we've seen with uh, some guys getting cut from North Texas SC. They're not just exactly. going to sit them around because they benefit North Texas SC, they're going to keep them around right. because like, like an Arturo, they have the potential to benefit FC Dallas more than they have to benefit NTSC in the long run. And that, that's the downside of, of the four year college career is by the time you come out of college at roughly 22, the window on you is very small. It's a season or two at best mm -hmm. uh, these days, you know, you, is FC Dallas going to keep around on North Texas a guy who's 23, 24 when they've got a kid who's 18 that they can bring in and play instead? You know, well, it's actually arguably better. I mean, that was one of the things that struck me the most when I was watching practice on one day, Monday, trying to watch Derek, Derek Waldack and think, oh, is he a player that can help me? Help, not me, sorry, help Lucci because I was trying to think in his mindset. And I was watching him play next to Evan Cerillo, and Evan Cerillo is twice the player, and he's 18, and he's not 22 you know it's just yeah. uh 
that's that, but, that's why it's so difficult now that the draft has any impact at all. It's so hard for those guys to make it. The, the problem you get as well is you know like they're physically fully developed. The brain. I mean, this is this is something I got from Lucci. You know, the brain is is ever developing, but the kind of like the main development stops around twenty four. So you've got like you say a year or two yeah. uh, to to really exactly instill all that the football IQ in a player. Um, whereas someone like a Sarrio, you're like, hey, six years down the line, he's going to be an MLS vet. He doesn't have to be a, a world beater, but he's going to know their system inside and out and know know what to do. Well, that's why most developmental systems end at the U23 team. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not much past that. I mean, some teams will have a reserve team, but that's just about keeping guys fit. That's not about development. Honest, honestly, you know? even that now is, is turning to yeah. under 21, under 23, exactly. plus whoever needs it. Right. Maybe a guy or two, but by the way, it is Ken Snow, and I was correct. He won the Herman Trophy twice in 88 and 90. That's who I was thinking of. Uh, Sorry, backtracking on my reference. But you can use that same discussion when you want to talk about uh, Ferriol, if I'm saying his name out, Manuel Ferriol, who is a better player than athlete. And you look at how good a player he is. He's the player that is most able to, most trainings I've seen anyway, step in and compete at the highest level with these MLS guys and with the North Texas guys. But there's a little bit of athleticism looking, missing. And when you, when you watch him play, you think, can he handle the, the MLS, the transition in MLS, the pace in MLS, the up and down in MLS, when he's a split second behind in his reactions on all these drills and a split second behind in his turns and a split second behind. He's a great player. Yeah. But you watch him and you think, can I, how much can I develop that? You know, can I make that into an MLS player? Now, maybe you could think, maybe FC Dallas will think, can I make that into a USLC player? Could I develop him and sell him? So, you know, there, there may be a spot for him if he's interested. You know, I, I, I definitely think there is a spot for him. I don't think it's with FC Dallas. But, um, you know, I, there's a lot to consider when you're talking about guys that are coming out of college. It's not the same as, as it was back in the day. So he's the one I'm sitting on the fence most about because he looked great on Saturday. Um, he... Up until yesterday, I would say it has been the most complete draft pick who looked, you know, positionally not the most likely because, you know, center mid's pretty, uh, any of those center mid positions is kind of uh, tough to get ahead of some of the options. But right. just in terms of, of you know, have, being a complete player, he kind of looked like he was head and shoulders above all the other draft picks. Uh, yesterday uh, and yesterday, you know, that's that's a big chance to impress. If those cuts were coming before San Diego, that was the last chance. It was the only chance against external opposition, and he looked like he in in the second scrimmage. Um, he played the second half of the first one, and then the you know the second one as well. If you saw him going up against the North Texas Rayados midfielder and you just watched a one-on-one, you wouldn't know which player was playing for which team. Uh, he didn't stand out against NTPSA players, which was, you yeah. know, that that should have been the, the great equalizer for him in not having someone with MLS or USLC physicality. Uh, I, uh, I don't know where he falls at this point, and... He's an international, and MLS has international he rules, is. and USL yep. has international rules. It's, uh, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he's possibly uh, at the same time one of the 
best and worst prospects there, which is uh, peculiar. Yeah, he, he like I say, he's an odd one where the the level of play outdoes the athleticism. You know, mm-hmm. you look at the touch, you look at the passing, it's all good. You know, you look at his movement on the field, he's make the right, right right runs, he reads the game well. You know, it's just sometimes when you watch him play against MLS level players, the burst isn't quite there, the turn timing isn't quite there, the the split second movements are just a shade behind. You know, there have been players that have been bad athletes that are great players that have made it before, but um, MLS is not that kind of league. No, you know, it's, not. That's a difficult, difficult ask. You know, I, I, that's a lot easier in the USL. You know, I, I think that's a player that you could develop and do something with. I think he'd be great in USL 1. I think he could probably be pretty good in the USL C, but I don't think there's enough there for me for MLS, but you know, you never know. I mean, he's at least a good enough player that can keep up. So it's like, if, if he's willing to do it and you, and you got a spot in North Texas that needs a, an eight, then great. But you know, let's try it. But if you're talking about, is he going to get to MLS? I mean, he's already behind all the, the 1800 MLS eights that FC Dallas has. And then you got to include Arturo. You got to include Dave, David Rodriguez. I mean, you can take playing time away from him. And they just signed Jerron Rayo, who's a guy who can play an eight. He's not probably not an eight, but he could do it. Mm-hmm. And and Emmanuel Almaguer is an eight. I mean, it's like Tanner Tasman is an eight. You know, what do you, are you going to really play that guy over all those kids? I don't know, man. That's tough. You're, I'm with you. That's a borderline. Yeah. That's a coin flip. And it, it, I don't think it helped that you know he was that just that bad yesterday. I mean, yeah. You know, I, there, there is always uh, the possibility that. You know, it was cold weather, hard to get going. Yeah, yeah. Going from one system to another, playing two different sets of opposition. You know, there's there's a lot of like factors to it, but it was just uh, it was a bit rough to see. Uh, on the other hand, um, you had well, actually, um, you had uh, Derek. Uh, I always forget his name, Wardek. Uh, you know, he yeah, he did kind of cope with with that. Uh, Anders Zengerbretson, um, he that was actually the most I, I saw of him. Um, I saw him on the scrimmage on Saturday. He was kind of more as a centre mid when he's a winger. He just he was lost. He was he was nowhere to be found. Uh, yesterday, put him back out in the wing. He looked pretty good. He had a couple of smart plays. He got an assist on one of the Cal Jennings goals. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the best I've seen out of him, but I, I don't, I don't see MLS. I, I'm not sure I see pro. Period. Yeah, I don't, I don't see enough there too. And remember, he's an international also. Yeah. Uh, for for me, I I mostly thought he was absolutely terrible. Up for like a two seconds, he did something good on a on a wing spot as well. Um, and I, I I've learned that four of the picks traveled and one did not. And I'm I'm 99 sure that it's. Uh, Angriston is the one who yeah. did not go and was done because he just didn't he just didn't bring enough to the table and didn't didn't have any moments where I thought, well, there's a little something, you know, it just it just wasn't there. It's just, you know, I, I can think of four or five draft picks over the last two years that were better that didn't make it. So I, for me, that's got to be the guy. And, you know, and, and even Ferrell and Waldeck are borderlines. You know, I, I think I, I would give them both the deals if they wanted them, but um, I wouldn't break the bank for it by any means. But I, I think Ingerson's out for me. I'm sure he's the guy that didn't go. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of goes back to what, what Lucci said yesterday, and I've actually got it in front of me. Um, 
you know, we're not just going to sign a player to the second team that we just think can help the second team without first team projection. He he doesn't have first team projection. No. Um, yeah, as as no chance. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he could be have a projection for USL championship even. Um, you know, best best bet really is to uh, explore other options, whether that's in Norway or or still in the right. US. Uh, right, I agree. But you know, one one uh, high note: um, Kyle Jennings looked uh, great. Your boy, my boy, yeah. Um, Line forms here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's gonna be uh, he's definitely. Well, Daniel Robertson put it put it best um, on Twitter earlier. He said something about you know he's got he's got a lot of the things that develop a cult following. Uh, yes, he's very confident in himself from day one. He's been talking about how he can help FC Dallas. You know, there, there's been no doubt in his mind. Um, now, with the the small number of strikers FC Dallas has, he's got every right to kind of talk as if he's already got a contract. Yeah, I, from the first day I saw him, he was the one that was the most at ease in training. Mm. You know, body language, uh, countenance, how he carried himself. Um, he's got the body strength to, to hold off a six-four defender. He's got the pace to run by people. He's got the ball skill to break guys down. Um, he is a great in-the-box goal pusher. He does need to work on his wide play. He will need to develop a wing game in order to be versatile enough for Lucci. Lucci likes versatile players. Um but I fully expect that guy to make it. And matter of fact, early in the season, uh, if if Cobra gets some call ups, if if Pepe gets some call ups, you might be looking at a team where he's your only striker left. Yeah. You know, you might. Yeah. I mean, more than likely, of course, they're going to put Barrios at striker in that situation, or Jesus Ferrer as a striker. But Jesus could be called up too. You know, you could easily see a situation where Cal's your number one guy off the bench for some games early on. You know, so despite the fact he'll probably get some North Texas time, of course, while he learns the system. It's very likely that he's the guy, the mo- rookie most likely to be in the 18, the most likely to make his debut within the first month or two of the season even. Yeah. I mean, I I, I like his game. Um, you know, it's not just uh, he is a very physical, very fast player. And Lucci's been pretty keen to sort of, you know, say to him, you need to develop the other sides of your game as well. You need to be an intelligent player. You don't want to just be a player that yes. gets caught offside and or has to you know rely on being bigger and stronger because he's he's a skinny guy but he's a strong guy um plays off the shoulder really nicely he uh he had a he was he's definitely um getting that side of his game kind of coming out wide checking uh little checking passes hold up players is fantastic it's something that you wanted from Maxi Aruti a couple of years ago, and he took that as, oh, I'll be a defensive midfielder. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you know, but he, he gets in the box. Um, he will, you know, see him play. He'll he'll definitely give the linesman cramp in his arm with the amount of offsides he's given. Yeah. Uh, I really like his... I really like the defensive side to his game. Um, on Saturday, the only goal was scored by Santi, and it was... If there's an if there was an assist that you could give, it would have been to Cal Jennings. It kind of played out as Montgomery's got the ball on the byline. He's looking for a left back option. Cal curls his run round to cut off the left back option. Um, cuts um, cuts into Montgomery. Montgomery's forced to play back to Jimmy Mauer. Ball's a little bit ahead of where he expected. He takes a 
you know, he tries to reach for it, takes a nasty touch, and then um, Mascara runs to sort of cover Jenny's spot and just taps into an empty net. You know, yeah. it, it couldn't have been much more of a, this goal was scored by this player, but this goal was, you know, completely created by the other. Uh, yeah, you, you have to like that Cal Jennings can press already. What he'll have to work on is not overpressing. He'll have to work on his team concept and team timing because you don't want him to wear himself out. But that is, um, he definitely can press already. That is one thing. And, uh, you know, you, you go to practice and you'll hear Lucci shout it. Hear, you'll just hear Jennings timing. Yeah, Pick your runs. That's exactly right. Um, but, you know, that, that side of his game is really nice. Uh, he's a very aggressive player. Um, definitely throwing himself about a lot. It's uh, it's nice to see. I mean, one of the goal, the other goal he scored. Uh, you know, he's on the floor um, in a, in freezing cold, hard ground. He's on the floor trying to reach that ball and turns it in. He yeah. could add five on the night. Um, you know, really, it was against NTPSA opposition. Um, obviously, a very good team for NTPSA. We've seen them beat North Texas Rayado. Uh, sorry, they are North Texas Rams. We've seen them beat OKC Energy. We've seen them beat. Um, FC Wichita and and Fort Worth Akeros, you know they they could definitely compete right. at a higher level. But you know let's not let's not get carried away. He's yes. he's still the prospect. Uh, no, but, he's still a prospect. But you know just the furthest ahead of and the most likely to have an impact of any of the picks that they've made. And let's remind everybody that he's the payoff of the Pedroso trade, uh, that pick that they used to get him. So there's a little uh, payoff of Pedroso trade for you. Yeah, it's not a bad way of looking at it at all. Right. That's Pedrosa, who's not even in the league anymore. Oh, was he out? I hadn't noticed that. They waved him at the end mm. of the season. Uh, he uh, only played like half of the games he was there for. Uh, I hadn't yeah, seen that. It was, like, it was what we saw um, here. For, you know, that first half of the season, I, I would argue he was probably the best fullback in MLS, uh, or at least the best left-back in MLS. And then, you know, his first full season, he kind of tailed off. and Maybe he decided he was good. Maybe. Who knows? That happens. Who knows? Um, speaking of of players who uh, are no longer in the league, we saw some things about uh, Dante Seeley potentially going to PSV Eindhoven. Yeah, uh, as near as I can tell from the translation of that tweet, he's actually already there. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, um, but the, the tweet said that he was an internship, which I take to mean as a... Um, he'll be an apprentice and... apprentice if you will now you, you can join an, uh, an academy like that without signing a contract um, we don't know that he's joined their academy he does have a TNT passport which allows him a lot of freedom but on Monday literally I, I asked because I hadn't seen Dante on Monday and it was the second time I hadn't seen him he was around all league training they just weren't because he's 16 they're, all, they're not having him do two days so that's why I had missed him um, <clears throat> excuse me but Lucci said that there was still, as he put it, opportunities inside the club, meaning North Texas or FC Dallas. But he said there's also going to be an opportunity for him uh, outside the club. And so I took that to mean, uh, and now we know, sort of like a like a like a like, like the Byron kind of thing, like a training stint, where so uh, if in fact he is going to PSV, I'm sure that the idea is that they'll take him on loan, or they might want to buy him, or something like that, or they're running the rule over him, as they used to say. So um, I did actually ask, officially I asked FC Dallas to comment because of this report that we saw today. And their official answer is, quote, no comment, unquote. So, um, you know, 
that tells you something that they didn't instantly just say, no, no, he's part of the team. I mean, uh, so I think we're probably fair to speculate that because Dante does have a TNT passport, he can get over to Europe as a, uh, before he's 18. Um, and he has gone to several other clubs before. So I, I find it perfectly valid that he's actually over there on this short term stint with the idea that maybe they're actually going to loan him or buy him. And, and essentially we're just gonna have to say at this point, stay tuned because until we get something from FC Dallas or from PSV or from Dante's, well, he shut down his Twitter, something like that, you know, we're just going to be speculating as to a move happening, but um, you know, he did have a great winner. He did score those four goals at the DA winner DAs, which are heavily scouted. He did play for the U twenties as a 16 year old us U twenties as a 16 year old, which is amazing. And he was so good that Bearhalter invited him to senior camp for a day um, I got multiple reports from coaches about his blossoming maturity, how he's instead of being the best way to paraphrase it is that rather than being a teenager, he's turned into a young man over the last four or five months. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he didn't play very much for North Texas, particularly down the stretch, particularly in the playoffs. Maybe that was a little bit of a wake up call. So we're seeing a blossoming and a maturing of Dante Sealy. And he's a guy who, even when they signed him, I think most of us talked about the idea that it's more than likely he would never even play for FC Dallas because he's the kind of player uh, with the pedigree and the, and the passport and the ability to go that someone was going to buy him before he ever reached FC Dallas. And it, it looks like that could be kind of what's happening with PSV. And we'll just have to wait and see. Cause right now all we know is that he may be over there and not with FC Dallas. Yeah, that was a uh, 100% a, a security option to avoid another. Uh... Yes. Check your investment signing, right? Like Reynolds, like Paxton was, like Jesus was, you know, oh, yeah. signed too early, but that wasn't why they were signed, right? Definitely. Um, yeah. You know, and, hey, there's there's the payoff, and maybe that will uh, there'll be some benefit from that if it if it comes about. It also could be complete garbage, and for all we know, he's in California. But the no comment makes me think that there must be something happening. Yeah, FC Dallas. Uh, I mean, obviously we say FC Dallas is pretty notorious for. No comment is an admission of guilt. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, this is us speculating, but, you know, for a guy that's attached to PSV to be talking about him incoming to PSV, I mean, that's a pretty strong uh, yeah. indication when they call him, an, uh, what was it, an intern or a, what was the word they used? Yeah. When it yeah. translated, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, but, um, you know, I just thought that that extra little insight would be uh, helpful yeah. for uh, our FC Dallas curious fans. Yeah. <laughs> I still want to know where that where Peter got that phrase from. I have no idea. It's a reference to something probably, but I don't know what it's from. Ah, okay. Yeah, I thought it was like is that like bi curious? I mean, it's, I don't know. That's that's another discussion for another podcast. I bet. Yeah, I don't talk about. So uh, yeah, we got to see the uh, the new kits. They they leaked uh, for pretty much the whole league and. We were pretty close with pretty our. Pretty close, uh, yeah, yeah. Dan, you did some you did some ninety five work on there when after we did some investigating and and adding up all our clues. We only you and I put together some concepts and some ideas, and the one that was the closest it was was only the tiniest bit difference from the images that have been leaked, like one strip of white instead of blue. I liked your yeah. the white better personally, but uh, I'm yeah. I'm glad they did the advocate the way they did it instead of the way that we thought it was going to be. Yeah, with the the sing, just the solid yeah word instead of the the double outline that we'd done from a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, but it was like flipped from a couple of years ago as well, so it just kind of looked a bit strange. Yeah, um, it's it's clean. I know a lot of people don't like having an MLM or a pyramid screen, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, you know, but, um, you know, a few teams around the league do. Um, well, only one more year, then you get somebody new. Yeah, yeah, be, yeah. Uh, we can have a whole whole episode just to dedicated to uh, talking about how it you know won't be american airlines although we wish it was and and whatever else <laughs> uh, uh but yeah um I, I gotta be honest for the uh i i'm i think i'm in the minority i kind of like the three stripes i like the the marketing angle they're going for of the stripes that bring us together the heart back to you know what the u.s were wearing when the yeah. league was was devised yeah early 90s yeah yeah, yeah. um you know, yeah, it's repetitive. It, that kind of sucks, but it, MLS has an entire team dedicated to having bespoke jerseys, which a lot of nation, you know, a lot of teams, unless you're the Arsenal's and Real Madrid's, the the, the, the big clubs they have, you probably aren't getting those. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, um, FC Dallas, the the jersey is kind of ripped off River Plate. I yes. can think of far worse teams to yeah. rip a design off of, particularly when the jersey it's from is is a white third jersey. They play in white with a red, red sash. They're never going to play in that jersey. Yeah, that was a weird weird one for them. I I, I actually really like um, the I like it because of the return of some sort of hoop ishness. I mean, it's not the full hoops that I would want, but it's blue but and red hoops. So it's, it's even it's better. blue and red hoops, which is the better. Um, which is strange because you did a mock-up with white hoops in red that actually looked really good. I it came off all like white shorts. But I um, like the blue better than the white, honestly. I've yeah. seen a couple of people say they wanted it as that you know it looked better if it was white, but you know yeah. obviously when we mocked it up, it I think it looked better with blue. Yeah, the the blue the red and blue hoops in general are way better than red and white hoops for sure. I only liked when you had the white shorts and then the white stripes came off of it i liked that blend but in general i agree with you and most everybody else that red and white hoops are not anywhere near as good as the real red and blue hoops and i also i'm probably rare on this one i like the white shorts even with the red and the blue hoop yeah um because just because i like i I mean the blue idea of the blue shorts becoming the hoops that that striation that that i get that idea that looks pretty cool i just really love the pop that a white short gives when you have a dark top like a red and blue tube top. Let's face it, that's a that's a dark top. So a dark top with white shorts to me always pops, always looks great. Think about AC Milan red and black stripes with the white shirts, shorts the way that pops. You know, Manchester United red top with white shorts the way that pops. I mean, I just think, you know, I mean, my dream would have been the the red and blue hoop top with um, white shorts and blue socks because then you would have really gotten the blue payoff. But um, this I think even with the red socks. You know, the white shorts or the blue shorts, the other one looks fine. I just prefer the white. So just getting a complete kit nerd for a moment. Sure. Um, that, new cut, that, new, yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, that new cut they've got, the uh, where it kind of swoops down in like a tailored cut. Um, a lot of players who are playing in those jerseys in national teams do mm-hmm. not like the fit. Wow. Um, there's been a couple of times where players have played in replica versions just so they didn't have it. Um, the alternative is they just tuck it in. So, you know, you're likely to see players 
doing a Jacori Hayes tribute and tucking a jersey in, yeah, and then yeah, there's less blue anyway. So seeing it with white would probably be less, uh, you know, it, less out of place. Isn't it funny now that a player that tucks his shirt in is unusual? I remember yeah. when I was a kid, we had to tuck our shirts in. You know, that was like a rule. Oh, I never did. Oh, yeah, well, it's the American thing, I guess. It was some sort of safety thing. Theoretically, people's hands get caught up in there or something, I think. I don't remember why I was a kid, but I just remember that being a case. <laughs> uh, that just that sounds a uh, stranger danger to me. Uh, I wouldn't even get involved with that. Well, it's no. like the bracelets and the necklaces you can't wear or a headband with a knot in it you couldn't wear. You yeah. know, it's like, whatever. It's all stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Kids. Kids. <laughs> Head in balls and stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we get, we get to see a new uh, North Texas SC jersey. Maybe it will be a little more than plain red. Maybe it will Well, have some... I, I, don't, I don't know any details about whether it's going to be a generated or, or a template or whatever, but I do know there's a new primary and that they want to line up with FC Dallas. That's why they're getting a new primary so quickly, so That'd that they'll cool. be on the same cycle as the first team. You know, That way you get a little better help from Adidas and some more love from Adidas, I think. It's part of the plan probably, but... Also, just to sort of sync up in terms of new looks, in terms of primary, primary, road, road, you know. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm hoping that, of course, they get a custom one that's something specifically designed for them. You know, like a year ago, we had a lot of things we really liked that had involved the slash and stuff. We thought was really good. Mm. And Hunt made so much emphasis to the slash, and that's that's what I'm still hoping for. But um, even if it is another template, it'll be a new template probably along the lines with the one that MLS is getting. So, you know, I... Yeah, one thing yeah, I would we'll be see. interested to see is uh, the training gear we've seen a little bit of for North Texas SC just from when they held the open trial, and it oh, still yeah, had right. the uh, the giant Captain America logo for Advocate. Mm. Um, right. It'd be great if you know if they do do a custom or or get on the something through the first team that they get the Advocate word mark instead because. Oh, yeah. That that kills me. That that logo. Yeah, the the toothpaste A is terrible. The word mark is so much better. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, I can stomach a pyramid scheme as long as it looks good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Looking good is key. Uh, well, overall, I think I, I'm pretty pleased with the FC Dallas one, I, which is surprising because I haven't been pleased with the FC Dallas one in about five years. Not since they had the little white pinstripe. That was the last one I liked. So I'm really mm -hmm. pleased that I like the new one. And if it's gonna have different colored shorts then i really am on board with it rather than solid red yeah that that last uh the deconstructed texas flag just uh it sucked yeah that that one wasn't for me and even like the red on red hoops without the pinstripe wasn't for me either right oh i love that know? jersey that was great i mean in person it looks nice but from the top of the stands you just look like you're liverpool and it's like that's just not liverpool stop trying to be liverpool you know it's like or if you prefer if you have if you have re that red shirt with red shorts and red socks, then you're oh, Toronto, sorry, you're yeah, Atlanta or oh, not Atlanta, they have stripes. There's like there's spot New York Red Bulls. There's five teams that are solid red. It's like come on. Sorry, yeah, that was different. sorry. I was getting mixed up. Yeah, the the red on red was the first one when they started saying stop using the, the term hoops, and they were like, right. oh no, they're killing the hoops, and they brought the pins the pin hoop back, and yeah, the pinstripe is good. It's the yeah. red on red hoops that wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I actually have that jersey, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's definitely not as good. Um, yeah, and, and speaking of North Texas, uh, some news today about uh, North Texas SC, well, former captain now, um, Ooh, heading yes. out on a year loan. Breck, Breck Evans, yes. Uh, yeah, I not Breck Shea, the better Breck. Yeah, I almost said Breck Shea, didn't I? 
Breck Evans, yeah, I mean, that that makes sense to me, does not to you? I mean, you're, you're, if if you dominate USL one, which is a developmental position for FC Dallas, then you take that player just like you do in the academy, you move them up to a place that they're challenged. So if if there's not space on MLS, if, if they're not ready for MLS, you still find them a new challenge. So alone makes perfect sense. I imagine you can think of a couple other guys that alone makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I imagine a couple are coming. You know, it's. Uh, Breck Evans, for sure, I think it's a great move. Awesome builds a good relationship with FC Dallas already, furthering that relationship. It's a great step for Breck. You know, if he does another great season, I imagine FC Dallas will be the answer in 2021. You know, it's straightforward and easy and obvious. Definitely. Um, you know, it, it just wouldn't serve him any purpose to have another season in USL1. He, he no. came in, he did the business. That's your growth. Um, and, and the step-up's important. Uh, Obviously, North Texas SC is supposed to be a step between DA and MLS, but you know, yeah. as we saw last year, it's not the step. It's kind of it just fits in between USL Championship and DA. Yeah, that's my joke. I make is there's a gap between USL one and MLS that's a USL C in size. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's a lever in there that you can play at. It's a, a good step up. And let's face it, we, you know, we've learned that. North Texas for FC Dallas, it might as well be a U20 team, right? It might as well oh, be yeah. your Academy 19 team, frankly. Those are the only guys that are really challenged. I mean, look when you send down Thomas Roberts or you send down Brian Reynolds. Those guys aren't challenged by that league. It's like the only guys that are challenged by that league are the Academy guys. So it's like, why not move Breck Evans up to a level where he's challenged? It makes perfect sense. Speaking of uh, of defenders who, who wouldn't be challenged by that, do you, do you think it's time for Callum Montgomery to go on a loan? Do you think you'll get maybe some time with the first team? Is it maybe more important to keep him in Frisco and and keep that that emphasis on the on the passing game? I I do think it's time for him to go on a loan unless Lucci thinks he's in the mix. Like if if he's going to get into the eighteen and he's actually going to play some for FC Dallas, you know, like um, if he's where Thomas Roberts was last year where he's going to get five starts and 10 games, then I'm okay with him staying in Dallas. But if he's not, then I 100% think it's time to get him some loans higher than – because he's in the same as Breck Evans. He's still he's too good for USL1. I mean, those two guys dominated that league as center back partners. You know, when, when one of those guys – well, Evans even more than Montgomery. When Evans was missing, it was worse. But when Montgomery was missing, it took a step back too. So it's uh, – I don't know that I would send him on a season-long loan like – Evans will be because you know you don't use a right of recall when when it's a step back like you don't go back to USL one from USLC you know you just play the year unless it craters and burns or something but um, with Montgomery I would try and find a place maybe early in the season maybe try and get him five games or ten games and sort of see how it goes you know see if you need him see if you need to bring him back something like that you know I you definitely want to get him playing and, and I wouldn't mind seeing a higher level than USC I mean I don't I don't know if there's anybody that Dallas has got that level of relationship with where you can say, can I give you to him for five games or something? That's, that's probably not having your own team. Um, but I'd be okay with that. Unless of course, like I say, the Lucci thinks he's right where Thomas Roberts was, which is where you're going to play, you know, five starts in the next first 15 games or something. Then I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I guess the, the problem I do is... ever know who Leon that is happening. If you want me to throw that in for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I found out today that um, uh, Francis Otuahene is going to go on loan again. Um, I don't know about Emma Tuomasi, <clears throat> excuse me, but I know for sure Francis is, which I think is probably pretty indicative that um, 
he's not really in the plans anymore. I don't know where he's going, but I did learn that he is going. I, I think that means he's not in California actually with the team. I didn't get that clarified, but um, I, I had I, I knew something was up with Francis when I saw him a couple this spring. He just his mind wasn't right. I could just tell he wasn't his usual vivacious self. You know, he's one of the most yeah. uh, gregarious, entertaining, fun kids I've ever seen. Super positive, you know, and he really can play. But he's just had such bad luck with his injuries. I mean. Uh, you know, honestly, after two seasons, a fresh start for that kid is probably a good idea. You know, a clean mm-hmm. slate. Get somewhere where you can get some playing time, you know, get it's, your confidence back. It's been kind of interesting because, uh, you know, coming in with Emma Tumasi, you know, they were actually, Atua Henny was a little bit ahead of him to begin with. Um, but their, yep. their development's just gone at different rates. There's, there's a pretty yep. significant gap between them at this point. Um for sure. And and Tumasi, he didn't play well, but, you know, if I was from near the equator, I probably wouldn't react well to the weather last night. So, I'm, <laughs> I mean, you, you can laugh about it. You play at Michigan in college, though. Come on now. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you, you can laugh about it, but cold weather players is a real, very yeah. real thing. Um, it, is. it is. You know, same way... Um, you know, when you get European trialists in the summer, I remember there being a... a a Norwegian guy came on trial to FC last couple of years ago. He never got used to the weather. Um, you know, he had a week to impress, and he had a week where he was sweating his ass off, like dying in the heat. You know, yeah. there's, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of the realities of the game, and it's one of those kind of things you don't see unless you're like closer to it. I guess. Um, you know, so I mean, I wouldn't hold out too much against him, but yeah, there was no sign of a Tua Henny yesterday. So much like there wasn't yeah. any sign of Breck Evans, um, and, right, right. And we saw the loan drop. So. Right. I do expect, uh, you know, a couple more loans. I think, you know, without getting into specifics, you could. I think anybody could look at the North Texas SC roster from last season and see some very, very obvious candidates for loans. Uh, you know, nothing is done by on anybody that I know of, you know, but I think there's some guys that are very obvious. You've got um, to expect a certain league MVP. Yeah, I mean, if you're MVP, assist leader, young player of the year, I mean, why would you repeat yourself? If you lead the league in scoring, why would you repeat yourself? And those things seem obvious to me without even talking to anybody, you know? It's yeah. like this, you need to do the next thing. And if you want to talk about FC Dallas, for example, if Reggie Cannon is an FC Dallas what are you going to do with Brian Reynolds and Emma Tuomasi and Eddie Munjoma? It's like, well, if you think Reynolds is your replacement for Cannon going forward, Reynolds needs to be playing. So if, if Reggie's going to be here, if, if you think between now and when you sell Reggie, which maybe is the summer, maybe it's sooner, you got to get Reynolds five or so starts. Well, if that's not going to happen here, then you got to get him somewhere else. So he's an ideal candidate for me to go. Thomas Roberts, same thing. There's a ton of eights here. Is he going to play here this first half of this season. I don't know. I, you know, it's for a lot of guys, maybe some calls are happening, but he could also get called up too. I mean, he's been in the twenties and eighteens and stuff. So, you know, maybe there's a loan available for him. You know, it's all a balance with uh, this team and the, and with these right of recalls on the USL loans, can you, somebody use them for a short period of time, you know, or a long period of time. It's like, you know, what was Dan Hunt talking about in that thing the other day, the 2000 minutes rule where they want to get everybody 2000 minutes at least you know, look, if you're not going to get that with FC Dallas, you got to get it somewhere. So I think there's some other candidates for loans that are in there. Not yeah. Johnny Nelson. I think Johnny Nelson's too close. He's too in the mix. Yes. And, uh, you know, he actually played as a, as a right back, uh, well, uh, right wing back. 
Um, so you you can add him to the to that growing yeah. list of players just stacking up, waiting for time. Um, right. You know, it's crazy because there's so much rides on on which Ryan Holland's head we see. Yes. This season. Now healthy, he can stay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, can he can he ride the back of of what he what he did last year or? Is it kind of going to be another 2017 or yeah 2017 for him where he kind of like takes a seat on the bench? Oh, obviously you know 2017 also involved. Uh, was it 2017 or 2018? The well, uh, yeah, the car problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, you know that that's kind of like the the big factor standing over so many people because yeah, FC Dallas is. It's a factory for for fullbacks. I mean, yeah. even looking at uh, yesterday's thing, I initially uh, said uh, Kevin Bonilla played really well, and you know he put in the cross for a goal, and uh, I thought it was Kevin Bonilla. It had uh, it was a guy who had Kevin Bonilla's hair, and then it <laughs> turned out to be um, Eric uh, Santino. Uh, Santino, yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, he looks a lot like him from my point of view too. I, I, it's easy to mistake. Oh yeah, I mean maybe it was the chattering teeth. I just couldn't see past that or what. But I was like, that's that's Benia. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, and, and he's a he's a sixteen year old playing with the under seventeens, and he Benia is a is a big time prospect that we we can't ever emphasize enough. And to just step in and and play well enough that you say, oh yeah, that's Benia. I mean that's yeah. uh that's probably a bigger deal than we, than we can make out on here. Yeah, and don't forget you also have Jonathan Gomez, who's yeah. a homegrown caliber kid playing with the 17s, or actually he doesn't play with the 17s anymore, he plays in North Texas, who's you know a 2003, the same peppy class. So, you know, they're stacked at outside back in the academy. You can go down to the 15s and 14s too, and there's kids down there at outside back that are just amazing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean that, and that's the thing. Uh, you know, freeing up those loans for North Texas SC gives those sort of guys time in in adult football, getting elbowed off the ball, and and yeah. all the things you have to learn because that college doesn't necessarily teach you. Yeah, one and, of the things that FC Dallas particularly does is they take somebody else's best striker, you know, and they they bring him to FC Dallas and they make him an outside back. Hmm. That's where you get these guys. Well, I mean, you you know, you go to a lot of those teams, and the best striker is just the best player. It may not be that they're yeah. a striker, but right. You know, when they're losing five one to FC Dallas, they have to have the player who's capable of scoring the one goal. Right. Um, you know, and it's all and about then Dallas goes and recruits that kid and brings him over, and makes him outside back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all about pro prospects. Um, right. End of the day, um, all those DA titles and Dallas Cups really mean nothing if you don't have your Paxton Pomacols and Reggie Cannons and Brian Reynolds. Is yeah, that is in fact actually all that matters. I mean, look. In the, in the in the context of the academy, they try and get every kid they can scholarships and development and opportunity. You know, do they try and win games? Yes. They try and win titles? Yes. The only thing that really matters, that really matters, is creating players for the first team. That's it. Everything else is a byproduct of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, one one player that we uh, we like to talk about. Uh, as being for the first team who his future is kind of up in the air now based on uh, a potential NFL career of all things um, Tanner who? Tessman uh, you who? mentioned who? Tanner Tessman Tanner Tessman the yeah. grown ass man. Um, man he is a grown ass man yeah uh, <laughs> certainly is um, 
Yeah, he got some time last night, uh, and then uh, now he's on the California trip. It was kind of a yeah bit of a turn for the books. Well, I think between um, part of it is between the fact that Jesus and Brandon, uh, not to a lesser extent Reggie, but Jesus and Brandon Cervania are at the, with the national team still. Mm-hmm. And um, Paxton's got his little stomach, you know, thing going on still a little bit, you know. And Barrios has got his little knee, and Papa's got his little knee, you know. I, I think, to a certain extent, there's probably some. We need a good body, Tanner, come with us. But let's not undersell the fact that this is an extraordinary training opportunity for Tanner Tessman, and they don't take along just anybody. Last year, when they went to Tempe, on the Tempe to Tucson, they took. Ricardo Pepe, Arturo Rodriguez, and David Rodriguez, right? All three signed in North Texas, two, one of whom has now become uh, a, an MLS player. The other two, we think, are going to be MLS players. So Tanner Testman is not on this trip to carry handbags. Tanner Testman's out there is because he can play and because they want him to be a professional player. And Tanner Testman wants to be a professional player. So it's just a question with Tanner of can you give him enough money to bypass the offer to play at Clemson, not just soccer, but to play football. There's a basic math equation there of a Clemson education versus playing for a pro contract. You know, there's a definite value there. There's a value to his uncle being, but his not real uncle, but his, he calls him uncle Bo being the head coach of the football team was a potential NFL career. Of course, if you're Tanner, you probably feel a lot more likely you're going to be a pro soccer player than you're going to be a pro kicker. You've never kicked Whereas you're a really highly touted, you know, playoff MVP, academy star. They've already got you playing in pro games. You know, you probably feel a lot more strongly that your pro career is going to be in soccer. Your dream is pro career soccer. So it's, you know, they have until June-ish maybe to get him a deal. We'll see. You know, he's obviously highly thought of. So it's just a question of uh, can they get it together, you know, or is the Clemson draw just too much? And for context, uh, you know, you think of uh, Josh Lambeau um, being drafted by FC Dallas and then going off and kicking in the NFL after uh, doing so at A&M. You know, he signed a four-year, $15.5 million contract and got a $3.5 million bonus, uh, signing bonus. So that's kind of the kind of thing that, that FC Dallas has to kind of complete with is, Sure. Hey, we can't offer that money, but we can fulfill your dream and do this, that, and the other. That that's that in itself is is so tough to overcome. Well, what you have to consider is that you know don't forget the context of when Lambo was at A and M. Uh, you know, being an Aggie myself, I remember distinctly that he walked on, and it wasn't until he was uh, he was not kicking for A and M at the beginning. He wasn't until his junior, he was a little bit. Uh, inaccurate, in fact. And then the guy that was the first choice kicker uh, missed, I don't know, I think it was missed a couple extra points, missed a couple of field goals. And people were like, oh my gosh, this kicker stinks. And they're like, okay, give Lambeau a shot. And he happened to then get into games. And Josh being Josh, if you know him, you probably don't, you're probably not around long enough. But Josh being Josh, he thrives on the competition, rises to the occasion, and turns out to be a great kicker. But if that other dude hadn't pump you know screwed up a couple of kicks i don't would josh limbo might not be making a million dollars today you know so it's not necessarily like tanner's not like i've got a million dollars offer from the nfl 
or I can go play for North Texas. It's not like that. You know what I mean? It's like he would have to go to Clemson and beat out whoever they have and prove he can do it. And how many kickers get a pro career out of college every year? One, maybe two, probably one, maybe not even one, maybe less than that. Those guys kick a long time. So, you know, it's, it's more about, I mean, the, the dream of the NFL kicking career is there, I suppose, probably not for Tanner, but for people in general, it's more about the idea of kicking for a national championship. That might be a lot of fun and playing for a college national championship might be a lot of fun. Or am I ready to be a pro now? Because, you know, I, I, when you talk to people about Tanner, people talk about his lifelong dream is to be a pro soccer player, not be a pro kicker, not to kick for Clemson. So, you know, the bottom line is FC Dallas has to come up with enough money to make it worth his while to stay. That's Mm. the bottom line, whether it's a homegrown deal or whether it's North Texas deal. If you want him, you got to pay the man enough to stay. That's it. Yeah, just uh, in a in a completely unrelated thing. Uh, so I I searched for Josh Lambert's salary, and Google has that people always ask. The third option was: Is Josh Lambert related to Lambert Field? <laughs> which is he? I have no idea. Which I'm pretty sure isn't just an. An algorithm that that means that somebody has actually searched that. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of impressive. But yeah. well, he really he really only quit soccer after he got his broad jo- job broken, you know, mm. and uh, and decided that you know he wasn't getting first team action, and it's like he got to be you know nineteen or whatever it was, I think, and he thought you know broken John, I'm not playing, I'm not making that kind of money, I'm just going to go to college. And happened to go to AM and happened to walk on at AM. So, oh, yeah. um, not so, the common pathway to being a kicker. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you sort of mentioned, you know, this, this is um, FC Dallas kind of given a, an opportunity to players and everything else. Uh, one thing I did notice as well is um, another player that's committed to go to university, uh, Nico Carrera. Yeah. He plays um, against uh, Riados. You know, does what he does. Uh, you know, Nico is a quality player. Of course. Um, and then Lucci pulls him aside after the game, and he's you know really you know really uh, talking him through some stuff, and he's giving him uh, give him a good amount of time. I was thinking like you know it's it these things are good. It's not like well you know you've you've probably turned down a, a contract to some form or another, and you know, now you're going off to university, let's kind of cast you aside. Because there are definitely teams that do stuff like that. And it's uh, a little uh, a little unfortunate. It's sometimes it uh, doesn't pan out well for them when that player turns out to be good. But, you know, to to see the kind of investment that, that Lucha Gonzalez has in, in the guys that have played under him in the academy and, yeah. you know, when he was obviously academy director as well as coach um, and, and now as first team manager is... Uh, it's well, always not, really good to see. Let's not undersell that um, Justin Che played two and started that second he game. He was fantastic. Yeah, he's a, for people who don't know, Justin Che is an under 17 center back. He's in his second year of the 17s, he's in 2003, which is the same class as Pepe and, and uh, Jonathan Gomez. Um, he's a converted striker to center back. He's been in some national team, like fringe teams, like the U18 team or some of those fringe camps. He's been some of that. But, you know, he's now he's not a work in progress, but he was, you know, a year ago. Yeah. Um, I expected him to be about a year, maybe a year and a half away from getting into the North Texas scene 
and to start talking about him as a future pro kind of prospect because that's where he is. That's the mix he's in. Is the is the kind of player that becomes, uh, you know, a testament in a year or two. Um, uh, I expected Nico to play a lot with North Texas this year when the and if and when Nico went to college, then I would expect Che would have been the next guy in. So it is interesting that Che has come up earlier than I anticipated, and it did make me wonder if if you have 19s that are not looking like they're willing to take the amount of money that North Texas has on the table, maybe you reach down to the next guy in line, the U17, and say, okay, are you interested in this kind of contract? And we'll move you ahead in schedule and play you up quicker than we thought because he does have a lot of potential. He's an interesting player. So it's a dynamic that we need to watch. We should watch this next four months until uh, those kids are ready to go to college and see how many of them play for North Texas or not versus whether we know or think or guess that they maybe are were up for a contract and, and didn't take it. So, um, you know, I think Nico certainly falls into that list. Tessman falls into that list. Bonilla probably falls into that list. Jonathan Gomez falls into that list. And now we can add Justin Che probably to that list too. Um, yeah. I know, Cesar say... Garcia is a U19. Javon Rail was in that list, but now is not. So, yeah, I, I will say with Che, um, yeah, he came into the game against um, OKC. He was actually the primary outlet um, for for playing out from the goalkeeper to the back wow. line, and um, looked so comfortable on the ball. Uh, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think he was an under seventeen playing against professionals. Granted, by this point in the game, that's kind of like the uh, the fringe players for for OKC. But you know, you're still talking on the reserves for a professional still team. Men. Yeah, and that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, didn't look out of place at all. Um, second game, again, looks the part. Um, commits a few few challenges. Uh, you know, Rowdas didn't really cause the defense too much trouble. Uh, but yeah, he, he uh, definitely looked a lot better than um when I watched him at the uh, Generation Adidas Cup uh, um last year. Yeah. Uh, you know he 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 looked like a an under seventeen playing at the right level. Now he looks like a, an under seventeen who, you know, should really be dropping the age groups and just playing adult. Yeah, he's he's only sixteen years old. He won't be seventeen until November. Crazy. So he's a young and you know he's got a bright future ahead of him. But like I said, you know he that's ahead of what I expected him to be. You know, I wasn't expecting to see him until later in the year, sort of get this kind of look. So. It'll be an interesting process to watch with, uh, you know, the 17s to 19s across the board is, you know, where does some of that playing time go if guys are rejecting offers and need, you know, and why wouldn't you play the guy who, I, mean, I can't think evil of a club for thinking, if I got a guy that wants to sign, why would I give him more minutes than the guy who's rejected me? You know what I mean? Now, granted, bottom line, FC Dallas needs to offer more money to these kids. They need to make it a viable to the college scholarship. There's no question that's true. No question. But it doesn't bother me that much if a kid's if one kid's willing to take the deal and the other kid's not, give the playing time to the kid that wants the deal. You know, if that's true, we don't know. We have to watch and see what happens. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be kind of interesting to see when um, when North Texas SC camp opens up. Um, I think that's in the next two weeks, right? The tenth, tenth of February. Okay. Yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting to see uh, how many academy players are there, as as opposed to uh, trialists. Obviously, we know 
you know, some of the guys will be uh, loaned out at that point. Some will mm-hmm. be with uh, FC Dallas. Um, well, you, you know, were talking about seventy percent. You're talking about a seventy percent roster turnover anyway, and they wanted to add more people because you remember there were times last year when the academy playoffs were happening, for example, or the Dallas Cup was happening, and they lost all their academy guys. And the North Texas was on the road, so they didn't have any FC Dallas guys. And Michelle had to play, or they had like one sub. You know, and they can't let that happen this year. So they're going to have to have more guys than last year. And they cut some guys, and they've blown some guys out. So they're going to need a bunch of bodies for sure. So they've got their work cut out for them to find guys that are good enough because um, the open trial they had the other day was a complete waste of time apparently, and and um, you know they've already cut and moved on some guys, so they're going to have to do some digging to find some players of value. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard the same about the uh, the, the yeah. trial. Um, I think they have a second one in in Dallas coming up. I mean, it's, who knows? Uh, it was kind of interesting last night to see uh, Mohamed Cisse. Uh, there for uh, North Texas, uh, oh, Riados. Yeah. yeah, he was there. Uh, you know, he was he was there hugging it out with all the uh, academy players from when he was in the briefly in the academy. Uh, Christian Akeke, fake Mo Salah was was playing too. Yeah. Another guy who, who got a, a little run with uh, North Texas SC last preseason. Right, right. Um, it'd be interesting to see if uh, if they sort of go in for any of the the Riados players again. Well, Cisse has a visa problem. Uh, mm. They tried to get him last year, and they couldn't. He couldn't get a P1 visa. He's on a student visa, apparently. Yeah. So, um, you know, whether he can get that resolved or not and what the real issue is, I don't know. I'm not involved in any of that kind of stuff. I just know that it was a visa thing that kept him from being signed. I mean, he could always play for free. <laughs> That's a tough uh, ask. I don't know. Can he? I don't know. I, I, I suppose he could. Yeah. I'm not sure how that would work. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it relates to an in 11 and – um, the student visa is a, like a set period of, uh, I think it's a four or five year visa. Like you can yeah. get it, quit college the next day and you, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so those, those are so tricky. Trust me, this is an immigrant talking. Yeah. You would know more than me. I just, I, when I asked like, Hey, I thought you guys want to sign him. We did. It was a visa problem. You yeah. know, that's what, you know, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him this spring, actually, back with FC Dallas. I'm sure they're still trying to work it out. Oh, yeah. And those I, kids from Ghana, uh, the Ghanaian kids, I think they're, no, Gambian. There's a couple of Gambian kids were kicking around, too. They may be old enough, too, to get in the mix now. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, there's always the, the possibility as well. Like, the, it was a, it could have been a solvable situation, but would it just cost a fair bit in legal fees where you could say, well, we know he's here. We know he's playing with a, you know, a decent amateur side. Yeah. We can let him steer and, and grow and well, he also and know that we... he's like twenty five already, so that's not oh, okay. you know, ideal either. But yeah, and they, but they do he's... have the three players on loan coming in. We'll have to see what's up with those guys. See if they're any good. Oh yeah, Dude. yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, I don't believe they're here yet because they don't start till the tenth. But yeah, we would have probably uh, seen him around either with one of the academy teams or or yeah. some bodies in in FC Dallas practice at this point. Uh, Speaking of uh, speaking of Riados, um, you know one one thing we did get uh, was the second round pairings for the Open Cup. But right, the first round doesn't take place until the end of March, but still. Um, so what was it? Uh, Riados playing Denton. Uh, the winner Riados plays Denton. Yep. Yeah. Um, the winner of that will play uh, the OKC Energy. Yes. Again. Yep. 
Uh, and Fort Worth Vaqueros got a weird one. They play Tulsa Athletic, and if they win that, they go right back to Tulsa and play FC Tulsa. Yeah, they get a Tulsa uh, the, doubleheader. The former Roughnecks. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. It, you know, that the geographical restriction on the Open Cup kind of makes it not amazing. Um, when they drew the first round, they gave the, the, the set of four and shared ownership teams can't play so we knew that Denton and Fort Worth yeah you know they'd they'd be stuck one would get Tulsa Athletic one would get Rayados you know same way we knew that realistically the Oklahoma teams would be in the mix because Austin and and South Texas all gets grouped in together so they're not an option the only other option would really be um, uh, who is it the Louisiana crew or whatever they're called now yeah Somebody got the Arkansas team last year too, if you remember. That mm. wasn't that maybe even Rayados that played that Arkansas team. I can't. Remember. Yeah, they, I think it was like first or second round. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I, I'm. I mean, we've obviously uh, joked about last time about going to the the Rayados game. Maybe we'll be following either Denton or uh, North Texas on yeah. a cup run this year. That'd be fun. I I'd love to see somebody go on a cup run. I you know. I, it's only a few hours up to Tulsa too. Watch if Fort Worth wins, that'll be fun too. I don't want that four-hour drive. Uh, I know you have a job. I can go. Yeah, stupid jobs. <laughs> if I'm not working that day, I'll probably try and swing it. It'll be fun. Definitely, definitely. So, have uh, you? I guess that kind of wraps up uh, really a lot of what we have. Is there, is there anything else you wanted to, that, to cover? That was everything I had on my list. That was a whole lot of small stuff that all added up to a pretty long podcast. It was longer than I expected. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, like yeah, it's it's kind of weird in preseason. There's, there's not a lot, but a lot at the same time. Just in, there's a, you know, we, we went over the draft picks for quite a while. And, True. Yeah. Um, Kind of I guess fun. the only other thing to say is that uh, if you like this podcast, if you stuck around this long, you like what we do, patreon.com slash third degree, give us a dollar. And buy some t-shirts in. as well. Buy some t-shirts, get the great new uh, Winged Doors t-shirt. And I know we'd, seller of all time. I know I'd uh, mentioned it to you. Um, it kind of tickled me that going up to practice uh, yesterday, the, uh, the visitor log that all the media have to sign in read, yeah. me, you, me. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we there have been a couple of uh, cutbacks in in media yes, coverage. Uh, yeah. Arman Kafai rest in team employment now uh, yes. interning, not doing pro uh, pro soccer USA. John Arnold not doing D- the DMN anymore. Nope. So uh, all the more reason to to donate to the Patreon, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a little bit of uh, more news Aldeas happening by no offense to somebody who doesn't know anything about soccer. So, I mean, I feel like not to toot our own horns, but if you want real in-depth FC Dallas coverage, we're the only people left giving it to you. So yeah. tune in. All right, that's about it, I think, Dan. For the yeah, day. yeah, it's been it's been fun. Uh, maybe maybe next week uh, Peter will fix his browser and... Uh back the professionalism absolutely uh some some extra guidance and and uh a pro, you know a professional hosting radio voice one of those uh wonderful commodities that that few podcasts enjoy but we do that's true it's definitely not the same without it in that case everyone can uh can send uh thoughts prayers 
Patreon donations, hardware, software advice, and uh, join us next time on another degree, uh, another episode of Third Degree the Podcast.